0: Project the hologram right up onto a white wall, yeah. I mean, it's basically just the same technology used to project a movie in the 80s, 90s, you know. You're just applying it through a different, through a portable mechanism. Okay. I think I, no, you just walked out without getting it, so that's that for you. Bryce, no, that's not, Dave, this is the peer eval, and stuff back. Mike, I think I emailed you about this, yeah. but I'm just handing it back so I don't have papers. Hold on, or that. going outside, so if we can get through, we need to get through, which I have not been able to do yet. Today's just kind of a lecture-heavy day, unfortunately. If um, we can go outside and finish up class, and if not, then we'll, I will plan, since all the red tape, I have a lot of, like, notes to give you today, so hopefully, if we don't go outside today, then definitely I'll try to arrange classes that can be taken mobile next week, since after that we're going to be inside for the remaining All three speech days, so it'd be nice to get out of it. Alright. The benefit we have over the previous classes, though, is that I have um, that I already know exactly what I tell mean. you. When I was with them, they were like kept raising points about stuff that I didn't remember. Okay. Let's start with the winners of the competition. This is a tough one. As usual, y'all put me through a loop. And I have to say, uh, the runner-up with an honorable mention for just being so adorable was Southern Living Magazine from Brian, James, Price and Jimmy. So close. Some of these were just so, like, oh, shocked. I couldn't even handle it. Um, but the winner, I think, not only because... The site is one I don't often hear of records as being a good place to go, but also because of the kinds of stuff they were able to find. For example, and again, I'm not so much interested in facts. So, like, the fact you can flick a cicada back to life is cool, but I don't really know what I would do with that information. I love the Chick-fil-A is testing its Southern manners effect of my pleasure. My opening is first Chick-fil-A in New York. The idea of trying to import Southern Hospitality into New York to make money is really fascinating to me. And that was actually the Atlanta Journal Constitution. So who knew that that could be so handy? And that goes to Aaron Buck, Mary Claire, and Ricky. So y'all will get first dibs. When I go to set the schedule up next week, you can get, tell me at that point if you'd like a late delivery day or a day off. And you are officially dequeued from all further wings. Um, or ineligible, not to keep it, ineligible for all for the winnings, although I hope he will still compete in the contest. The other sites, and I'm, what I'll do is I'll create a list of these and I'll post it. I know I said I was going to do it, but I didn't. So, we're too happy to responding to your stuff. Huffington Post was there, Vice.com is great. Smithsonian Mag's gotten a lot of play from the different classes, which I'm surprised by, so apparently that must really be up in their marketing. And then, Will, Sean, and Chris, I had no idea what your website was. I see what you wrote down. I just don't know where it came from. It's exactly. uh, <laughs> an <laughs> online. Yeah, it's a so like cool. local Adams newspaper. That's a that's It's an, paper. an yeah. online paper. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'll check that out. I'm glad I asked because I couldn't tell from the paper what. Is not the flagpole online, this is Athens Online. All, it's online Athens.com. Huh. Uh, Yeah, Atlanta Journal Constitution, Southern Living, which I've never seen that mentioned before, that was awesome. And you no know, Julian, no Jimmy? Okay. Alright, so that takes care of that. Alright, that is item number one of 10 billion. Alright. <coughs> I'm just going to read you the blog. I'm I'm just going to highlight things off the blog that I already wrote. Uh, All right, so I just want to once again remind you that the informative speech is the hardest speech of the semester. That is why it seems to have a lot of things for you to learn because organizing speeches are difficult. And you really want to think about this as the final exam. I think it helps frame it better. Rather than think of it as the second speech of the semester, you think of it as the final. And then everything after this is just sort of looking out and refining things we're going to learn for the informative. Hopefully that motivates you to understand why I'm throwing so much at you at once. Luckily, we have lots of time still to practice. All right, I have some red tapey issues, like just generic. All right, first of all, after some conversations with students, I will extend the speaking limit of this speech from three to four minutes to three to five minutes. That way you can all aim for a nice four, 4.30 speech, knowing you have that extra cushion under five. It's just many of you have come to me and said, I just don't see how I'm going to do that in five. I think that's a fair argument. Um, I've done it as four minutes the last couple semesters, uh, and I do sort of, am starting to see that I think we're good enough as speech writers as a whole now that I can give you the extra minute. Because before, when the speeches are like five, seven minutes, you just wind up creating a lot of padding. So three to five sounds like... Not too long, but long enough for those of you that want to do a little extra, tell a longer story, dig dig into your topic a little bit more. So I will update the assignment description on ELC. Um, To reflect that, I'll highlight it like normal. On that note, please look at the assignment description on ELC. I write a new assignment description for every speech. You kind of want to have that out as you're finalizing your outline to say, oh, is my research question clear? And, oh, have I incorporated physical movement? And, oh, Am I blank? and Am I blank? Because when you come to me and you don't agree with the grade, and I'm like, okay, cool, well, let's pull out the assignment description and I'll regrade it with you here. And you're like, I never saw that. It's really frustrating for me because I feel like you went into battle unarmed, you know. i like, the tools are there. So I just want you to open that up. Maybe we'll try to do some more in class actually using the assignment description rather than me just posting it for an FYI type deal. I'll see what I can do about that. Mm-hmm. It's good practice for you to only ever distribute your material as a PDF unless otherwise specified. And I'll tell you why. For a couple reasons. But mostly the biggest reason is that Word documents move depending on who opens them. And if you upload things in pages and I open it in .docx, it can screw with your margins and make everything look crazy. But more important than that, I have all the editing features on my Word because I like do a lot of moving around of columns and stuff. So I, I can see the markers in your document if you like copied and pasted something, it sets new section breaks, if you misspell the word, if you've got weird grammar. So it's like I open this document and suddenly the document is just screaming at me all the things that are wrong with it. Whereas if it's a PDF, I don't see any of that. It's just a picture of the page with none of that marking. So I think it's a good practice for you to distribute as a PDF. It also helps me because I can just grade faster because PDFs with the system just work easier. So while I'm never going to like take off points because you did a .doc in a PDF, I just can't bring myself to be that much of a bureaucrat. I'd really appreciate it if you did it as a PDF. And I also think it's in your interest. Predisposes me to like the speech as opposed to predispose. If, if I'm going to be predisposed one way or another, based on what the outline looks like when I open it, I'd rather be positively predisposed. Um, on that note as well, don't be afraid to mark in your outline what you think you're doing. So don't be afraid to say, number three, this is my central idea, and then label it. Don't be afraid to say, stat, analogy, and label what those things are. Because, number one, I think it helps you because then if you get to see and you're like, I don't even know what to put in the parentheses here, you probably know you need to rethink that support, or maybe you don't even need it. But also, it's like, oh, I open it up, and then as I'm kind of watching you give the speech, and I'm sort of looking at the outline, I'm just kind of, I'm sort of reading between the two of them, if you will. If I know that you thought you were doing an analogy here and that that matched with the statistic, again, I'm predisposed to read the analogy favorably as opposed to just being like, you did something in the middle there, I got really lost, something about a lawnmower, meh. Because if I can see it on the outline, I can say, okay, I see what you are trying to do here. I respect the effort. And then the effort becomes, you know, as a teacher, you kind of say, I don't grade the effort, I grade the product. But if I can grade the effort, I like to. I just, it's just hard to know how to gauge effort. So this is sort of like a way you can show, hey, I know what I'm doing, but even if I didn't do it right, I still I still tried, right? That's that kind of a move. So even when people write essays in my classes, I say, like, highlight your central idea, highlight your topic sentence, like, let me know what you think you're doing because I might agree with you, but even if I don't, I appreciate that you know where things are supposed to go. Alright, so that's up on the WordPress blog. You can read about that. Um, Oh, also, please put the time of our class on stuff, like 2 p.m. is fine, because I have a lot of 1100 classes on Tuesday, Thursday, and it just sort of makes my life easier if I drop my papers or whatever, that I immediately know that this is the 2 o'clock class, then this is a 2 o'clock class, but then I don't know what this is, And this just says 1100. So just when it says section, just write, somebody put the date there, that's not even in the ballpark, what section, You <laughs> that's cool. Just because I keep these things like in little piles, and it just—it's just one thing for me to have to not worry about. Again, it's not a grading thing. It's just kind of that would help me out. All right. Those are just my minor red tape things, and again, I'll probably bring them up again because they're sort of nitpicky, and I understand that they're not your main concern. They're really more my main concern. Um. Okay. So for Tuesday, so over the weekend, I have two things that I, you are, that are your option to do. Um, I would think that they're going to help you with the informative speech, especially if your participation has been low. But overall, it's always your choice whether or not you find these worth your time. So the first one is go to my YouTube page. I'll also put a link on ELC. I've also already tweeted a link. There's also a link in my Tumblr. There's now a link in my WordPress. So And it's also the most recently uploaded video on my YouTube. It's a teaching talk that I did with another class about informative speaking critiquing an informative four-minute TED Talk. So it is the kind of activity that we would have done in the class anyway. So it might be worth your while, and I talk about that whole concept of the number two word and the difference between informative and persuasive and how to have a perspective versus facts, how to do an analogy, how you eliminate stuff. So there's a lot of good material in it. We won't have time to do it in this class because we have other things we need to cover, but you do have the option, if you would like, of watching it. It's about half an hour, um, and if you skip, you can kind of skip a little bit, probably probably trim it down to about 20 minutes. And the way I'll know if you participated is that you're going to sign in to YouTube or your Google or whatever, and if you don't have any of these things, just let me know. I'm fine if you want to submit me like a feedback by email, but it's always more fun to do the tech stuff. So just a critique, like a hundred words, a couple of sentences, as a speech critic critiquing the presentation. So this kind of like, great job, thumbs up, I liked it sort of stuff. You want to try to be a little bit more substantive than that, but again, something's better than nothing, but something insightful is better than just something. So that's an opportunity you can use. Um, Some of it's because when I circulate this teaching talk, it's kind of nice that like 90 of my students went on there and wrote something. So part of it's me trying to get some love from my students, but part of it too is I think that. It's a way to kind of just learn more about informative speaking on your own, and it's something you can just sort of do quickly, 20 minutes. You watch the YouTube video, you write a quick comment, and you're done. All right, so that's one option. Option number two, I'll talk about in a minute, but it has to do with the free write that I told you to do today, so we'll wait on that for a second. Um, so let me put a note on the board not to forget this. I've been forgetting a lot of stuff today. Okay. Okay, I owe you, I had requests for more samples of informative speeches, so I'll put a few more up for you. Um, I would, oh, I forgot to write this in my thing. I would like to, however, draw your attention to your workbook to page 61. All right, so page 61 is a speech called... Mr. Detailed, full sentence outline, role of religion for African culture to inform. So you know that this is an informative speech. I would like you to just take a moment to glance at the length of this thing. There's your, this is your introduction. It's almost a whole page. Then you have almost two pages of main points. Times New Roman 12.5, one in Torkins. Then you have a conclusion, and then you have a list of references. This as a teacher is my worst nightmare of a speech for a couple of reasons. Because it clearly took so much work for this student to do this. Unless they stole it out of the file somewhere, which they might have, but I already told you if you have a speech from a file, that's fine, just show it to me, and I'll tell you how to make it better, because I guarantee whatever you've got is not going to get you the grade you want. Alright? But they did all of this work, and now I'm going to give them a C. Because this is not what I asked for. And there's no way you're delivering this thing well. This is an essay. So this is my worst nightmare as a teacher. If you're lazy and just don't do your work and turn in some bullshit and I give you a C, that's fine. I think we both understand each other. Right? You knew what was going to happen. This, on the other hand, is like, what do you mean this is a C? In addition to the fact you just could never give this thing in five minutes. But let's let's say it was an eight minute speech, still. So this is a really good example of what not to do. I don't have a lot of these, luckily, but keep this in mind as a warning lesson because I will be very impressed that you put this amount of work into this. I might even suggest that you submit it for competitive competition at one of our local undergraduate research competitions, but as far as an informative speech that meets the criteria that I have set forth for you for a good informative speech, this just is a swing and a miss in a hundred different types of ways. There's nothing more depressing than looking at you and going, gosh, you did so much work. And you're going to have so little to show for it. So please do me a favor and just don't. If you do what I ask you to do, you won't do this. But on the off chance you think that I'm going to, like, be swayed by your deeply impressive research abilities, I will be. But it's not the assignment. Your persuasive speeches will look a little more like this. So it's not like we're not moving in this direction. We won't stay this simple forever. But simple is good as a public speaker. You want simple. And I would argue that we as a class could rewrite that speech doing it the way we do it in four minutes and it wouldn't lose anything. I would put my speeches up against that speech any day. Because I don't think you gain anything by adding all that extra information that the audience doesn't already need. Alright, so I'll put up some more outlines, but page 61 is a really good example of sort of a one of those really depressing A-quality effort, C quality performance type speeches that I really want to avoid. And then I owe you that list of research. The links I showed you as well as the links we compiled and I will get that done in the next day or two. Alright, so that's what I owe you. I gave you the red tape. I owe you, talk about that last opportunity for participation. Uh, Okay, the only other thing is that, so participation is Coming up, okay, so midterm withdrawal deadline is October 22nd, which is a Thursday. Uh, I generally think that anybody who is going to withdraw from the class has already done so. So I don't worry too much about anybody needing to withdraw, but generally I recommend not withdrawing. I will make sure you pass. Now, if I'm going to get you an A, that's a very difficult, I mean, you really have to be an honest assessment of where you are right now. One of the things I'll do to help you is I'll give you a midterm participation grade next week. So just it's a number out of six, and it's based on just a bunch of these random things that I have thrown at you over the time period. And I just basically create a chart, and then I add it up, and who's ever got the most number of points, you become the A. So if there's 96 magical points available total, and the number one person did 91 of them, 91 becomes the hundred. And then everybody gets divided by 91. So it's a pretty fair system. The only thing that's not fair about it that I think is true of all participation opportunities for, um, for class is that it favors extraversion. Because obviously a valuable part of this is the homework, but it's also like it's a participation opportunity. Are you here? Are you talking? Are you smiling? Are you raising your hand? Do I hear you being supportive of other people? Are you off your laptop while people are talking? Are you making nice eye contact? I notice this kind of stuff. I don't notice all of it, but I I especially notice when it's not happening. If you think I haven't put some zeros in some columns for people checking their text messages under the table while someone else is speaking, you're mistaken. I don't care if you do it while I'm talking. It's fine. That's your choice. But when other people are talking, it's sort of my job to make sure they have the best atmosphere. And like looking over at somebody being like this is for a number of reasons why you would be down there. That is just not the kind of thing that I want them to be distracted by when they're trying to get through the speech. So it does favor extroversion. It's one of the reasons I try to do a lot of written assignments. But if you're talking a lot and contributing to class discussion, you know, that matters. And I'll have a column with an overall sense of class contribution. That's one factor. The homework slash participation, the writing, all that stuff, that's another factor. That's designed for people who are more thinkers and like to write. It's also good practice because you got to write to be good at things. You just can't not write. But there's other things you can do too. So, for example, if you're participating on the collaborative quiz review, so log into Google, go on, you add some stuff, you add some notes, you add a link, that's cool. If you're leaving feedback on my WordPress or on my YouTube, or if you're emailing me links to stuff, or you're posting to my Tumblr, or you're copying me on tweets, or I've had people forward me an email where they talked about something from class in an email to someone else. Or they were at dinner talking about something about public speaking, and they started recording it on their phone, and they sent me a one-and-a-half-minute audio file that was like, hey, look, I talked about class on my own time at dinner the other night. Isn't that awesome? And I say yeah. And every time I say yes, right? Everything I've ever gotten. Because all you're doing is demonstrating to me you're participating thinking about class when I didn't make you think about class. That's all participation is. So anything you can think of to toot your own horn is a good thing to bring to my attention. And maybe after the midterm review comes out and you see the kinds of things that people produce as evidence, you might have better sense for the second semester of your options for producing that. But again, I'll give you the midterm review. Um, it's just, just a grade. It's not binding. It's, it's just sort of a general, hey, here's where I think you are. Here's how I got the number. Um, and here's some of the things people did to demonstrate participation. You let me know if you want to meet and talk about it. If not, you kind of know where you need to go from here. And whether what you're doing is getting you the results you want. And whether it's something that I can recognize. Because part of this is, I don't know how you're participating. You might be participating in a way you feel very deep and meaningful, and I just can't see it. But that's an easy solution. You just tell me what it is. As long as there's some kind of documentation that it's happening, you're going to public speeches. You're you're helping your friend from a different public speaking class. Put an analogy in their speech. I mean, all that stuff matters. You just have to kind of bring it to my attention because I'm not clearpointed. Thank God for that. In addition to that, on Tuesday, the last 20 minutes of class, the Center for Teaching and Learning will come into this class. I will leave. First, I'll see who first essentially I'll say, okay, if you want to leave, you can leave, and people who leave, leave. And everybody else will just write your name down for participation. And the Center for Teaching and Learning will put you in a little groups and they will conduct a mid-semester formative evaluation review of the class. It's all anonymous. And they basically just tell me what do you think the strengths are? What do you think the weaknesses are? And what does what do you recommend I do to improve? And then the CTL kind of interjects and says, this would be dangerous to make this change at this time. Do it next semester. Or they have these complaints. I would advise it on the next quiz or the next speech. You do the following things. So it's very productive for me. It tells me where we are in the class. And it's all anonymous. And they never give me the real bad stuff. Like once in a while, somebody in the class just goes on a tirade. And they usually type it all up and keep it. And then at the end of the semester, they'll say, FYI, you might want to know that your students feel this way about you because they don't want to give it to me mid-semester because I don't want to know that. You know, that doesn't do any of us any good. So feel free to be open honest. You're not required to participate. You're not required to say anything nice. I'll never know what you said. It's all independent. Um, but if you do stay, you do get participation credit for that activity. Those are all my items. It took me six minutes less than it did in the morning class. What's up, Dave? Wait, when is that? The Tuesday. It's during class, by the way. It's just we're going to end class early, but you can opt to leave if you don't want to do that. I don't want anybody here who's not like, doesn't care. It's a waste of your time. That'll be Tuesday, though. If you're not here, you just don't do it. It's pretty easy. Anything you want to add? That's a lot of stuff. What about the Twitter you want to see? Give me a second. We're actually gonna create. We're gonna we're gonna turn the free ride into a second activity, and then I'm gonna like that on Tuesday. After reading a few this morning, I've decided that this is not, that we're gonna we're gonna repurpose these. I have a plan. So hold off on that for a second. Good question, though. All right. I can assume that your silence indicates that you either did not understand everything, but assume you'll just go read it on your own later because you understood everything. I have no suggestions at this time. Okay. fair? Alright. We are... Today might be the hardest day of class. In terms of learning something I might be about to tell you the hardest thing that students have to learn the whole semester. I have told you the hardest thing to learn all semester was the theme. That's still the case. This is sort of like what you do with the theme once you find it. That's even harder. So this is the hardest deck. If you can get through today, you're alright. And if you don't get through today, uh, I've got some follow up blog posts on this. I'll try to make a, like an extra lecture. And we'll keep practicing next week. So please don't get discouraged. This is a tough thing. It took me a long time to understand this. But by the time the speech comes due, you will have stuck your foot in this on more than one occasion. And of course, as always, if by early next week, say Tuesday, you are just swimming around in a pile of your own confusion, shoot me an email, let me know, um, and we will set something up to talk. But again, I think early next week is probably the latest you want to email me to set that up, because we start giving speeches the following week. The 22nd, right? Next week is what? The... 13th, and the 15th, and then we start, you're right, so so early next, so we really need to meet sometime next Thursday, Friday-ish, which means I need to hear from you by next Monday or Tuesday if we're going to get something on the calendar. You start emailing me the following Monday, it's going to be slim pickings, and honestly, it makes me nervous to meet with someone so close to the deadline of the speech. Nobody wants to have their speech cut out 12 hours before you have to deliver it. So, you know, I'm here, you just got to decide whether or not you have time. So to review quickly, you have these four research questions. And any speech can really do any of them, but I want you to have one. Pick one. If you have a controversial issue, you do the controversies. If you have something that is a theory, you can either deliver it as a theory speech, right, why does something happen the way it happens. Or you can take that theory and reproduce it as a how-to. Or you can describe it. The example I gave was the Victorian England. I tell you about the Victorian England thing? Okay. The example of the what's it like speech. They're all like, it is a theory speech. So what's the theory behind Victorian England in the 1800s? Has all to do with the Industrial Revolution and the way it affected people's biomes. Right? That's a theory. But I can tell it as a what was it like to be a woman at that time dealing with this skin condition. Or I, can, I probably can tell it as a how do you do it. But if the theory is behind, for example, how to make a good pie crust, I can either tell a speech that's just the theory of a good pie crust, Cool, but pliable. or give you a how to to make the pie crust, keeping the theme in sight the whole time. So that's just a very brief review of that, which leads us to the most important thing, which is once you get the theme, so once you get your central idea, I really hate this board, doesn't it? I'm wondering. It's never occurred to me to do that. Any questions or concerns about this part? Of it? Before we get into main points, is there anything swirling around in people's heads? They didn't understand this. They went home to try to find their theme and they don't understand what the theme is. that they cut up the topic, don't cut up the topic. Cut up the theme into three to four main points. Why three and not two? You know the three main points, like you learned that in high school, right? You have three main points, yeah. Why? Does anybody know why three is the magic number? Right. Why does it matter that it's more than two? Why is two not enough? One might be Two might be weak. Two of your three could be weak, though. Let's go they're all good. It's a geometry. This is a geometry trick. Yes! Two points form A. But only three points tell you what's the shape. So you need three to establish a pattern of causality. Two, is, two could be a fluke. Three is where you really know whether or not you got it. And then you can do four, right? Because once you do five, six, seven, but I think five is too many. Just for a speech of this length, five minutes, five main points is too many. Main points. So stick to three to four. I know it's restrictive, but trust me, I think it's going to serve you best in the long run. And if you really want to violate, My advice, you can always bring me the outline and say, this has five main points What do you think, and I'll probably take away a main point, but you can always try. It's not not like it's a requirement. It's just highly less. So you cut up the theme. You don't cut up the topic. So I don't need three things about pie crust. I need three things about cold but pliable pie crust. So then I have a couple options for what we call an organizational pattern. And the organizational pattern is what determines the different ways that I can cut up the main points so that there's still a relationship among the main points. The relationship is not the topic. The fact that all three of these things are about pie crust is not enough of a relationship for the audience to follow. It needs an organizational pattern, right, a form or a logic, and it needs thematic coherence. And this is like, I mean, if you read a novel, it's the same. And have you ever watched a movie where it skips around in time and by the end you're like, I don't even know what the hell's going on. Give me an example. Okay. Memento. Uh, yeah, people tell me all the time about how brilliant that movie was with its interjected screen switching, blah, blah, I couldn't follow it. I get the point. I get the theme, right? The theme is that he's, uns- the theme is that he doesn't know if he has amnesia or if he's such a bad person that he's traumatizing himself on purpose so he doesn't have to know what a bad person is. I get the theme, but the whole time I'm confused because I don't know the logic of time. So the logic of time is the narrative pattern. This is why Proust, does anybody ever study Proust, Marcel Proust, the French writer? Okay. Proust is really famous for the way he messes with narrative time. Most people just tell the damn story, right? X happened, then Y happened. Okay, well now we're going to go back in time, but now we're going to come back. That's the timeline, and you need the timeline for stuff to make sense. The theme, though, is the meaning behind the timeline. So you need both things. You need the theme and you need the organizational pattern. That's why I gave you that reading to do, which I'm sure all of you did. I'm thrilled by it, but read it. If you didn't read it, read the damn thing. So the narrative pattern is one option. There's also chronological, which is a type of time pattern that doesn't tell a story. There's cause and effect. There's pro-con, and there's spatial. Those are your only options. Don't make up the wave chronological pattern, just use one of the ones that's up there. There's one that I have not included, does anybody know what that one is? There's one in your book called Psychological, all of these are psychological, so I don't know what the hell that is. I think it's supposed to be Monroe's Motivated Sequence, the one I have at the bottom, so we'll talk about that later. Ignore the bottom one for now, just the top five, what one's missing? You'd know this even if you didn't do the reading. As soon as I tell you what it is, you'll go, oh, yeah. Think a minute. Talk to your neighbor about find somebody who read and find the one that's missing and then tell me why it's missing. From those five. Narrative, chronological, cause effect, or conspation. <laughs> There's also one called problem solution. Don't worry about that one. That one's is not good. What? Compared and contrast. Oh yeah, that one's missing too. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's just a profile. Okay. are just variations of these. You Yeah. are not gonna feel dumb. You're gonna feel smart because you're like, oh yeah, I didn't need a book. I knew this. You just, you just don't know what. Guess what's in my head. This is a. I never know if this is an effective teaching method. I keep using it anyway. There's a lot of research. Just Suggest that having you guess the exact same thing I'm thinking is maybe not the best for your <laughs> question. <laughs> That's how I learned what I do. So topical? Topical yeah. pattern? I wouldn't guess that. What? I wouldn't guess it. You don't it remember this mean, from it? high school? No. Oh, cool. What did you learn about organizational patterns in high school or English? Did all of your tests out of English? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You always do, even though you don't my English. Yeah. Really? Wow. Oh, you didn't learn anything about organizational patterns in English in high school? I mean, other than a five-grade speech, I don't know what else you would talk about. Or that was my high school. Okay. All right. Well, let me give you this. If I were to say to you, there were three causes of the Civil War. Uh, economic, human rights, and politics. That would make sense to you, right? Okay. That's a cause-and-effect pattern. But it's really a topical pattern. Because each specific main point shares the same topic. But then within the topic of the Civil War, there is a subtopic which we call a theme, right? First, there were the political issue, states rights versus federal rights, individual autonomy. Do we need state intervention, or are people rational decision makers? Then you've got economic. What are we going to do if we get rid of the slave trade? Are human rights worth the fact we won't make any money? Should the North and South have different economies? Inter, you know, interstate trade, extra-straight trade, import-export. And then, of course, you have the one we're commonly think of, even though I would argue that to the people who fought the Civil War, this is probably the least important, human rights, slavery. This is what we commonly call a topical organization pattern. This is one you will see modeled in the book a lot, because this is their favorite one for some reason. Why is it bad? Now that I've sort of, so you know this, right, you understand that this is kind of the impulse to do this kind of an organization. And I'm sure many of you probably have similar speeches where you have planned to talk about how stem cells work in medicine, how stem cells work ethically, and how stem cells work in technology, something like that. What's the problem with it? Given what we know, don't say it's boring, and don't say it's not relatable, Christopher. Although both of those Whoa. although both of those are true, what? no I said don't say not relatable. Because you always say relatable. It's their nature. It's not relatable and it's boring, but why? It's always obvious fault. Is there too many broad topics? Good. Yes. Same thing. It takes it takes a topic like the Civil War, which you already couldn't talk about in five minutes. And rather than narrowing it to something like maybe just the political aspect of the Civil War, it actually creates three separate speeches. Yeah, and you lose track of your theme. You you instead embed three themes, which your book, for some reason, calls topics. But this is your topic. You can't have a topical organizational pattern, because you've already got one topic. Now, thematic organizational pattern, that's what this would be called, but that violates the one theme principle. Yeah. If you do this, you are a Wikipedia article, right? If you go to the Wikipedia article and you look at Civil War or whatever, you see these subsections. Historical circumstances, environmental concerns, economic concerns, human rights. You see it broken down like that. You are not Wikipedia. Repeat after me. I am not Wikipedia. I am not Wikipedia. One more time. Do it with the first-person pronoun. I am not Wikipedia. Good. So, topical is not available to you. You can do narrative, chronological, cause-effect, pro-con, and spatial, but ultimately, regardless of the one you pick, and really, they're all just a matter of choice. I mean, I don't think any one of them works any better. I personally love spatial because I think it's the least used and the most intuitive. But no matter what you choose, the logic organizing this needs to be, like, either time or space or cause-effect, but more importantly, the theme has to stay present in each, like the word needs to be there. If the word is cold and pliable up here, I better see the word cold and pliable or some similar thematic that looks exact, that's like a synonym in each one of your main points as you write them. What's up, Sydney? So, would a better way to like make this speech would be the topic is the Civil War and then it would be, it would be like economic issues or something like that? Like, yeah, although I would want it to be stronger than economic issues. Well, yeah. But yeah, but I see, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just like remember when we talked about, I said, why are we arguing over gun control? and I said the fundamental reason we're arguing over gun control. like, Are there economic concerns? Sure. Are there safety concerns? Sure. The Second Amendment? Sure. All that stuff could be potential main points. But all of them share in common one thing, which is that we don't know if human beings are sane or irrational. And you're never going to know. We don't know if the shooters are just the average American pushed a little bit too far, or if they are a different species of person who is not the average American. You can argue about it. You'll never know, though. But underlying all of those, top, those subtopics is that question. So if I'm going to do gun control, I don't do the political issues of gun control, the economic issues of gun control, and the human rights issues of gun control. I do one theme, which is gun control is fundamentally a question of whether or not human beings are sane or whether they are insane, to put it like bluntly. And then I pick three different ways of organi- organizing it. I could do two causes. Of why the controversy is happening, and then one effect, all keeping inside the theme. I can do three different spaces. That would be an easy one, right? Because you pick what? Different shooting. Three schools. Three shooting. Sure. I could do chronological. I could do the day in a life of a specific shootout. I could just do 9 a.m., 12, 5 p.m. I could do years. I could do decades of gun control over the years to show how in each gun control controversy, from the from when the Second Amendment was founded to the blanky years to now, this issue of sanity has always been at the core of the problem. That'd be a hard speech, it'd be interesting, but it can come. Right? I can do narrative. I can tell the story of a specific event using stopping points along the way. I can do pro-con. Here are the and usually that requires four main points, right? Pro-con, pro-con. Here's a pro to the fact people are saying. Here's a con to the fact. This is a reason why people are saying. Here's a reason why people are saying. Here's an argument saying they're insane. Here's an argument saying they're insane. So from there, I mean, once you have the theme, you can really pick whatever. Some will work better than others, and I can help you with that. But at that point, it's just a matter of picking some kind of form. But the theme's still the hard part. When people get into trouble is when the organizational pattern Substitutes for the theme. Don't do that. That's what your book does. That's one of the reasons I don't love public speaking books. They give you three topics and they say, okay, that's you know why the speech matters because I have three different topics. No, speech matters is the theme. So what would be, what would you choose to do as an oppositional pattern for the like pie crust book? But oh, chronological I mean, for sure, and you would do because it of like the that. fact that time and cold are so intimately related. So you talk about like the progression of making. Yeah. Okay. But if I wanted to be funky, because I thought, oh man, like that's automatically going to tune my audience out because they're just immediately going to go into process mode. I could do a space, three different spaces in your kitchen: the fridge, the um, the the metal. Roll out gizmo, the what is that thing called? The marble cutting board that stays cold and then a third space in the kitchen. Like the oven where the heat, which represents the heat. We want to stay away from the don't preheat the oven, stay away from the oven. That space needs to stay cold as long as possible. You know, the fridge and the oven are kind of combating because the pie needs to be in the fridge while the oven's on. I can see spatial working. Like again, I love spatial. I'm just a spatial thinker, so I think it's cool. And actually one place that I see really good spatial speeches is when I see people present on um, where is it? when I see people present on plagiarism, and this is also uh, this is like a classic memory device. So when you think about when you think about delivering the speech, it's often much easier to envision yourself in a kitchen. So as you did deliver the speech, literally the fridge is here, the oven's over here. And your rollout cook space is here. So as you're actually delivering the speech, you can sort of mimic moving around in the kitchen to do things. And that can be a nice memory device to help you remember. And they do that a lot with uh, plagiarism speeches. So each piece of the speech represents a a driving force. Because fundamentally, right, students plagiarize because they do not believe that they can achieve the results on their own. That's the theme. They just don't have self-efficacy. If you believe you can do it, you do it.
1: It's not because you're lazy. I don't believe
0: human beings are lazy. When you're motivated to do I mean, you'll bust your ass to get some football tickets. I've seen y'all, right? So I know you're not lazy. You're just not motivated for some reason, so they lack intrinsic motivation. So then you can sort of look around the room and you can tie different pieces of the room to different pieces of motivation. So the chairs might represent, for example, all of the other factors going on in your life that do not allow you to give your full attention to a course. The lectern could represent bad lectures that are discouraging of student effort. Or the blackboard could do that. The windows can represent outside pressures, right, the way that you're sort of trained maybe in high school to not feel like you're in control of your own education. The hallway can represent other students and the way that uh, colleges have cultivated a competitive environment. So you don't feel like you're going to ever be rewarded for your own individual efforts. You're always being ranked. The clock can represent the way that we put artificial restrictions on how you express one. And then as a speaker, that's nice, because you have these things in the room, so you just kind of figure out which one you're going to look at first, and it keeps you anchored in the speech. And of course, that's too many main points. You want to narrow that down. But that's a way you can kind of work through. What's up? How do you find the middle ground between making an argument and saying something that's just kind of obvious as a fact? Oh, that is such an awesome question. It might be the number one most difficult question about life. (laughs) <laughs> you feel it out. I have like a lot of litmus tests for this, and I don't want to go on a tangent because, honestly, I, I think it's a minor issue for this speech, but there's a couple of really easy things you can do. Avoid the word should at all costs. Should is a classic persuasive word. If you're saying should, you're trying to make persuasive arguments. Um, about whether anyone's arguing about it, and if they are arguing about it, then, for example, I don't think anyone's arguing about why students plagiarize generally. I think most people who are studying plagiarism and are taking it reasonably serious assume it's for good reasons. So I don't think that's an essentially controversial speech, but like whether or not Adderall should be considered academic dishonesty is a really hot issue. So if you're going to do that kind of a thing, you have to be a little more careful to sort of be not obvious. I'm sorry, not um, not opinionated. You got to be, you got to bury your bias a little bit harder. But if you're giving a speech about the dominant reason why people plagiarize, you can sort of be a little bit more out there because nobody's going to stand up and go, "That's not why." I mean, you just nobody's going to stand up here and be like, "That's not why students plagiarize." Like your number one or your most important thing the pie crust. Yeah, nobody's going to stand up and be like, "Cold butter, butter." You got to be kidding me. In the same way that they would if you stood up here and were like, "Adderall should be considered academic dishonesty." Right. It's kind of like what? Do you see? you feel the, re- the difference in that kind of statement?
1: And then it gets even
0: worse when you say something like, "Gun control is necessary to protect an- to to protect overpopulation of animals." You can already hear people being like, I you know," being like, mm, "I don't know about all that." Right. So you—that's part of it. You have to sort of gauge if you're in dangerous territory, and the more dangerous your territory, the more you got to bear your lead. The less dangerous your territory, the more off the wall you can get without being. And then just show that other people share your perspective. That's really the most important thing. Treat it like a fact and it will become a fact. Yeah. And I can help you with that. That's that's a very, that's a real tough gray area. So just avoid calls to action and the word should, and most of the time you'll turn out well within the comfortable range. Yeah. Even you should use all butter in your pie crust, to me I would write too persuasive. Even though no one cares, you use that should word or if you're like, so next time you're making a pie crust, you better make sure. It's like, no, 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 Mm-mm, that's not what we're doing here. And we're actually going to practice that. Are y'all, Do you want to keep going with this? Do you have other questions with the, in terms of the way that the organizational pattern and the theme work together? Because this is like the theory, but we actually have time to practice. We're actually good on time, so if I deliver, if I give you the activity, we could go outside for the last half hour while you work on it. Good? All right. Okay. Let me give you the activity then. And I will, and this, a picture of this is already up on WordPress with a little like blurb about what it means. I should have, maybe I'll audio record this so that I can post that too. I always forget to audio record myself. Did anybody audio record a class today? No? Thank you. This might be one of those days I should record myself and post it. All right. Um, So, a central idea, so first of all, it's the same central idea for everybody. The central idea is that Robert E. Lee lost the Battle of Gettysburg primarily because he exercised too much caution. Alright, so why is this a good central idea? Well, first of all, because it's a perspective on why something happened that you're not familiar with. So it satisfies, it answers the question, rather than what do we know about the Battle of Gettysburg, which is going to make you into what, if you answer that question in your speech, that's your research question, you will become Wikipedia, Wikipedia, right? Versus why did it happen? One reason. What's the one number one key to why we lost, we, I say it like I'm a Southerner, lost the Battle of Gettysburg? And the answer is, which is both his opinion, but also, like, again, who's going to stand up and be like, that's not why we lost the Battle of Gettysburg. (laughs) People on the internet would, but not here. Because he's overly cautious. So the next question is, is it interesting? No, but it is if I do my work. For example, this is also the reason why we have the Afghanistan issue, or the issue in Iraq, is because I love military strategy for some reason, is because during the Gulf War, we didn't go after Saddam Hussein the first time because he retreated in a Baghdad, and we knew where he was, and we had every capability of going to get him and pulling him out and ending the thing, but we didn't because we had learned a lesson from... I think sooner than that, like more recent, but yeah, from the Cold War, which is you don't go into enemy territory because these guys don't fight like us. Right? So that's what we started to learn in Korea, that, well, like, military strategy doesn't work the same way. In Vietnam, it blows us out of the water. And then all of a sudden, Cuban Missile Crisis, Bay of Pigs, yada, yada, starts happening. Well, it's on the money with that one. And we're worried that we don't know what's happening. We can't go into this place because what if there's just insurgents everywhere? In hindsight, though, everyone says we should have done it. If we'd done it the first time, if we'd known what would have happened, it would have been worth, we should have just gone in there full swing and gone in and gotten them and just bombed the shit out of the whole city. That's what everyone agrees across the board. And again, is it an opinion? Yeah, but it's far enough in history at this point that enough people have said, you know what? The lives lost in that battle, both American and otherwise, would have been worth the amount of stress that we've had to deal with since. Now, could you argue that, hey, if you caught Saddam Hussein, something else would have just happened? Yeah, sure. But But that's like not part of my speech, right? So this doesn't feel too persuasive to me, even though I think it is interesting. So now the question is, can you relate to a problem where you don't have enough information to make a decision, but history tells you you should sort of like maybe be careful, but then you're too careful and you regret the decision that you made and you wish you maybe had had more information so you could have made a different decision? Can you relate to that conundrum? Yeah, sure. Right? Regret? Uncertainty? You can relate to that. So as far as the Civil War speech goes, it's pretty good. It's got a clear central focus. It's something that I'm not used to understanding. It's unique in the sense that it's like an angle on this on this topic that's not just everything. And it's relatable to the audience because they can identify with this particular theme because it's something that happens in your life. It also, because of the relationship between military and what metaphor, gives you a great opportunity for some cool analogies that your audience will love. What do we often compare war to? Blank is just like war. It's a battle. Love. Actually, yeah. I was thinking football. But <laughs> so love and football, right? You're like hitting on all cylinders with this. So you have all this great opportunity to show how Lee's dilemma is just like when you're in love and you don't know if you want to like give the ring or do the move-in or whatever, and then you look back and you're like, oh, I should have just done it. Or like the football strategy, a specific player if you know something about a certain maybe quarterback who exercises too much caution in a specific situation, I think we all know who we're talking about. Then right, then I don't even know. Did anybody pick up on that as a real joke? Like did you put a name in that slot? Yeah, I had no idea what I was saying. I just assumed you would figure someone out and stick them in that comment. Did it work though? Which who would you pick? Uh, well, everyone was talking about how great to Lambert
1: yeah. I have no yeah. idea what you're talking
0: about. No, 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 no. But that's the end to me. You see what I did? I was like, we all know what quarterback I'm talking about here, exercising a little too much caution. No idea what that was. Like, real cool. You see how it works, though, right? I slide out the hint, and Jay just jumps right in with his own thoughts. Yeah. See? Enthemes. They're real. So then you have all these cool options because you have a cool theme. Because the theme lends itself to so much cool stuff you can now do with the audience that suddenly makes a speech about the Civil War, about love, and football, and all this other stuff that y'all that y'all did, right? All right. So I'm going to give you four main points, and your only job is to rewrite them so that they match the central idea and have a clear organizational pattern. You can go outside and do it. You can go home and do it. Um, you can work in class and do it. What I'm probably going to do just because, honestly, I'm so tired of talking, and we only have 20 minutes left in class, I would like you to think about this try it out, and then I'm actually just going to post a blog post with a couple of sample answers, and you can just read about that at your leisure. But ultimately the most important thing is that you practice this so that you can do it in your own stuff. Because you all have a list like this somewhere of the things you want to talk about for your speech. So now the question is how do you take all of these facts, perspectives, supports, interpretations, and turn them into four, three to four main points, with a clear organizational pattern and a dominant theme. That's it. So once you can do that, pretty much then at that point you just pop in your supports and make sure your theme is clear the whole way, practice, and you're done. So this is really the hard part. This is also your homework. So for Tuesday, take the free write that you already wrote. Maybe you have new thinking on that since then. And take the statements that are in there and try to construct three to four main points that share a theme and an organizational pattern. And bring both of those to me on Tuesday, and then I will write some feedback on them and give it back to you on Thursday. Take them all home. I'll go through them real quick, and I'll work on them, and on Tuesday we'll go outside and play. If we decide we might want to take our speech from a new angle, should we rewrite the speech that we wrote? I mean, think, think of this as an opportunity to take the speech in a new angle. So I don't, I mean, I'm not, I mean, again, I'm not looking at the two papers to be like, these are totally different. I'm just saying if the free-write's all you've got, if you're still free-writing, I mean, a lot of people are still working on the speech. Yeah, then just produce whatever you can produce, but also bring the free-write Tuesday so I can give you credit for doing both. Don't throw out your topic, though. This is the hard part. Picking a topic is the easy part. Getting this to work is the hard part. So if you can't get this to work with this topic, I almost guarantee that no topic is going to magically give you the answer you got to do this work, which requires a lot of writing down, a lot of thinking, a lot of getting feedback, a lot of you reading, a lot of somebody else reading, a lot of practicing, and that. more reading, more reading, more feedback, Yeah, yada. Yeah. You just keep doing <coughs> it. So try not to change topics. A new angle, I like the way Sydney put that. That's cool. If you're, if you're like, man, I'm going to come with this in a different way. That's kind of the point of doing this, to like find your angle. Don't switch your topic though, So this is your homework. To come up with just these three or four main points for the speech, clear central idea theme, right? clear organizational pattern, and then I'll be able to give you some feedback that I think will really tighten up the speech. Wait for our own speech or for, this? for your speech. Yeah, just model it after that. But for the next 20 minutes, go practice in small groups, coming up with the answers to this. Go through the process. Why? Like what are you going to eliminate? Are you going to keep four? Are you going to combine some? Are you going to cut one? Is one of these maybe a better support than it is a main point? Is one of these nothing? Does one of these have some potential? you can kind of make stuff up. I understand that you're, like, not Civil War experts. So you might have to make up who, will, who generally will be told to do what where. And then we'll maybe kick off Tuesday. I can review this with you. And I just don't want to rush to get it done in 20 minutes because, honestly, we really can't do it in that time period. So you can go outside and do this. You can stay in here and do it and get some feedback. You can go home and do it on your own and read the blog post once it's up. It's really up to you. But you've got this is the thing. If you can get this thing down, you're gonna be in good shape. Because from there, you just got to get your supports where they belong, and that's easy to do. <coughs> supports become the easiest thing once like the main points are written. The blog going to be about this one specifically. Yeah, I have like nine blogs up, but I I will also write one specific main points blog, which will include this slide. Yeah. Man, I wish we recorded that lecture. If you had that great question. Jay enthusiastically filled in my blank. Oh, that was such a that Wait, was so many good things that happened. I'm so bummed out. It, I actually recorded it. You, which part did you record? The whole thing. I didn't forgot to press it. I like Did a, you forget you were recording me? Because I was. Or are in- you snorting? <laughs> no, I looked at this tab and it was uh recording. So. How long is that? It's the whole thing. Oh, no way! Oh, my God. I wish I'd talked slower. I know this is important. I don't know how to separate it, but I could send you... You don't? Maybe I can figure it out.